0: A welcome to the Future Construct podcast. I am your host, Amy Peck, and we have a wonderful guest today, Adeni Ogunchwa, who is the director uh, and is in, an industry digital strategist at Microsoft. Welcome, Adeni. I hope I did not butcher your name too badly.
1: No, you didn't, Amy. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are. Happy to be here.
0: Indeed, well, I love I I love your your background, and in in you know, looking at your career, you know, you you've been in the sort of the strategy and management consulting space. It seems for most of your career. And how did you get you know find this career path, and how did you end up landing at Microsoft?
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. Interesting. Thank you. So, uh, you know, I actually, uh, funny enough, I um, I started in architecture. Right. So I I, I actually studied architecture in school in Nigeria. And then when I left uh, architecture, I went to Canada, uh, and uh, but I was always doing a lot of consulting. I never really practiced architecture. Then I so, so I got really involved in maybe design development and, and programming. And so I started working for a company first, uh, like Price Waterhouse Coopers, and doing a lot of development. And then I veered a little bit into finance, financial systems, because I started implementing financial systems. And then I um, went from there. I worked at uh, Deloitte uh, Consulting at Accenture and uh, finally decided to, you know, go back to school for maybe like a year to go and do building construction. Like I I still had that thing because where I I still like to design stuff and and do stuff. And uh, even though I was doing a lot of consulting at the end, um, when I finished at uh, Georgia Tech, I did a master's in building construction. That's where the BIM comes in. Um, but, um, the nexus for me was, um, having finance background, development background or technology background, I also a consultant. So pretty much the stars aligned. And then I got this role that came up in, uh, Microsoft where I was a digital advisor. And in the last one or two years, I became a, a strategist, but my role, like I like to tell people is to try to create the intelligent future, future design and create the intelligent future for companies in all spaces.
0: Now, I read that in in your profile, and I think that's a great way of putting it. And it's almost like, you know, and I, I know it's a, a you know an, an old and tried and true saying, but I mean, the future really is upon us, and it's and it's actually coming at us fairly quickly. So when you're working with companies, you know, what What are some of the strategies that, that you're talking to them about, about putting forward in, and are you finding some fear or some reticence um, for the level of change that really needs to occur in companies these days?
1: That's absolutely true. So so a lot of companies, as you know, want to go to the cloud. So they may be on-prem and whatever. And so you know, some part of the things that I did when I was in school, I had done like an MBA. So I was, I, I did it in finance. So I have a good way of understanding the business of a company to understand where they need to go. So from a board level or where they need to go. And I look at that and I go, okay. It's all about growth. So we we have the sum of this strategy of this framework where we call the three horizon, right? Which is the first one is running the business. The second part of it is kind of like um, you know um, uh, Im- maybe imagine businesses, and then the th- the, the third one is really so, uh, very futuristic. So I break break that down, and then um, we look at different models like ESG and and things like that. But because a lot is happening now, right, where the physical and the digital are kind of kind of converging. You have to start looking at things like that. So with customers, start with the business first and then find a way to get them to use leverage digital tech technologies to actually like let's say we talk about different um uh, what would I say, uh, different industries, like a lot of the industries where I play I play in the finance industry, but I also, a lot of companies also have buildings. So in not only the fact that they have to maybe create new revenue models, but also how do you make the buildings, all this infrastructure, all the systems, all the cities a little bit more responsive to you so that there's more sustainability, the building responds to you, the systems respond to you. So I get them to think that way. Because it's all it all it all actually uh, uh, goes together uh, for the greater good. Way you're thinking of things like that. So then, there are lots of strategies. I going not go into it, but depending on the customer, we will use different strategies for them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And you, you know, you mentioned ESG, which which I think you know in the early days was a, a way you know a, sort of a marketing ploy for companies, right? I don't mm-hmm. think that they were really. Considering what what it was going to take, but now it can't just be a marketing strategy. It really has to become fundamental, um, in the same way that DNI strategies have to become fundamental. Right? They, there's no more just you know talking the talk. Companies have to walk the walk. And so, are you are you finding that a challenge for companies? Like you know, maybe they had had made some promises around sustainability. And now they have to put them into practice. What are some of the challenges that that they're that they're finding?
1: I tell you with ESD. So ESD, if I break it down into, uh, is typically the environment, uh, society and then governors. And let's just take an environment, for example, right? The environment we're talking about maybe carbon emissions and things like that. What we're finding out if you look at the carbon reported, the hardest thing to do is scope three emissions, right? Scope one emission is all about, about, okay, what are you using within your company? Then two and three has more about your supply chain. It's very hard. The data is very, very hard to actually uh, try to control the emissions for your suppliers. So what we're helping, we we're using our platform to try to make sure that our customers, our, we're, we're trying to figure out how what they're uh, emitting. For example, we use what you call the sustainability calculator or, or cloud, sustainability, Microsoft Cloud for, for sustainability. So it helps them understand that. The other thing is, when you're looking at sustainability too is if you design a building to be truly intelligent, right, you can control the amount of sensors or the amount of uh, uh, maybe gas or anything that, uh, that's been emitted from that building, right? you understand or where, where people are. Uh, for, for example, if you use digital and IoT, you can use that to figure out what is coming from the building, the sensors, the temperature, you know, wh- where, where people are. And then you can now use also sensor uh, actuators to control the building. So in a way you can, if you design the building right or you operate the building right, it can help you with, t- with that strategy. In terms of the society that has to do with like financial inclusion, it has to do with digital inclusion. And then when you're talking about governance, you're talking about you know having the right um uh, like let's say when you have ai models make it more responsible right make it more transparent but not only that have the right governance in terms of compliance risk and control so when you look at all this together um esg like you said it can't just be something where you just report every every month because right now if you think about it blackrock which is the which manages 7 trillion or 8 trillion dollars a year as asset manager they will now, they are now, talk, they wrote a C, uh, the CEO actually wrote a letter about a year ago to the, uh, to the board of most of the companies, from companies around the world, that we, sustainability is uh, risk, is real investment risk. And they're going to use that to start figuring out who they invest in and who they don't invest in. So it's a big, big, big deal. And then you also have the Bank of England, the Bank of Canada, different folks. Even the SEC are looking into that saying climate risk is a big, big risk. And it's something you have to look at, uh, which is just one of the components of ESG.
0: So I love the way you talked about um, responsive buildings and and, leveraging the sensors and, and having having the building actually understand, you know, who's using it, the utility um, and and you know self diagnostics and you know almost almost sort of humanizing the buildings in a way. Um, and what are some of the tactics that companies can use? You know, obviously we're big believers of BIM. You know, here on on future construct, but it, 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 not all companies are leveraging BIM. And and then what are some of the strategies? And and how do we, how do we make this sort of a standard where it's just. You know, you, you 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 set out to to create a new construction, or you retrofit existing buildings to really be able to be truly intelligent buildings. Because we're never going to get to smart cities unless we have smart buildings.
1: Yeah, no, that that's a great question, and I'm going to start out with what um, one definition of super intelligent buildings could be. Intelligent, I look at um, intelligent buildings as cities are cities and buildings or infrastructure that interact with the, or with the users, the environment, and things, right, they could be devices, uh, to make informed decisions. And those decisions could come from supervised or AI or machine learning. But their goal is to improve the productivity, to improve comfort, to improve... The convenience, experiences, safety, wellness, um, sustainability, and efficiency. And the component of that, right, is you have to make sure you have the data. You can collect data like the presence, the heat, uh, the lighting, the motion, the sound, the location, the temperature, um, the pressure. You have to be able to interact with it to interaction with people, places, and things. The component of that, you can't just start with the beam because the, with the beam, you can design a beam all day. But when you put it in production, if you can't get the information from it, you're not sure what's happening. So you have to collect it to what you call a digital twin, right? which is a virtual representation of, um, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a building or a city or whatever that thing is. And basically you have those components. You also have the intelligent cloud. You have to put it on the cloud. Um, and then you have to use things like uh, artificial intelligence to kind of figure out the insights to it uh, or cognitive services. But the key thing is you have to have those key nuggets. The beam starts off, right? You can have it for your engineering models and your architectural models and your MEP models, but you really have to take that static data and connect it to what is more like a a JSON model of the digital twin. And that way, when you get that sensors, then you know it's feeding. So every time someone goes in or whatever, you see what's going on. So once you tuck that information, then you use things like AI insights, or you can use like maybe a um, a CRM or something like a, a, a power platform or things like that to now take insights and then, and, and then report on it or predict and make decisions based on that. So uh, to answer your question, at the beginning, the architects and the engineers, they have to bring what you call like a master systems integrator into place that can think about it from a technology perspective. From an architectural engineering perspective, and also from a data, and you have to have like UI folks um, who can go in and figure out what are the key vision and the use cases you want to light up, right? And that that's that's very important.
0: And so, but as a as an owner or a large construction company or even an, an architecture firm, you, you know, all of these things sound perfectly logical and very expensive. And so what are some of the economics that, you know, like, because there, there, there is a huge economy of scale, but to, to, you know, you're also talking about changing workflows and introducing new technologies with, with you know, uh, workers who have varying degrees of, of, you know, competency around this type of new technology. So what are some of the ways that you can kind of really convince, you know, the owners and the construction companies to, to really embrace technology?
1: Great question. And uh, you're speaking to actually some of the bane of my work because I always say do not focus on just cost. You got to focus on revenue and drive costs down. Um, we have this 330 300 model that that is out there that says for every three dollars of energy that you save, right? There's $30 per square feet of lift space uh that you get if you if you, you have the right tight ends, platform spaces. And then for that 30 you have $300 per square foot in productivity. So if you're an owner, right, because owners are not just having the building because, because they just want to have the building. There's a reason where they have the building. So let's, for example, say there's a CBR, not a CBRE, but let's say um, th- there's a company that, you know, oh, yeah, it could even be CBRE or JLL that have, has this building or they're running it for a company, right? There's a cost for every dollar of that you design the running cost is about $60. So if you can reduce that, and even in Microsoft, we have about 25% um, based on what we are using BIM and Digital Twin, we're saving 25% in cost. But that's not where the big saving is. That 25% goes to about 250% for the for being able to locate people in the right places. And the productivity is better because we know where the people are. We, we for, I'll give you one example. So, for example, if you have like, let's say, 100 cleaners that are cleaning facilities every day, they clean all the floors, there are 20 floors in that building. Well, if you have the right IoT data, right, you can tell when people are using what floors. So you don't need to send the people every day to clean because maybe the 20 floors that are not even being used. So the data will tell you and it will predict that for you, right? But not only that, it's like as you're driving in, um, you uh, uh, are a tenant or you are an employee or you're a visitor. The building can inform you where you need to go and what kind of services are there. So now a building that really was maybe just, uh, I would say, um, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a living building. If it's living and it, it gives you more services, you as an owner can demand more money for your rent. And do not only that, if you're using, if you actually really do it right with the BIM mandate, the digital IoT, you can actually cut cost all the way um, from the design to development to building it to operating it because there's a lot of things like, for example, you can reduce the amount of RFIs you have. Right, because you can walk through the building, you can see what's going on. So there's less things, there's less mistakes that you can do. Because as a as an owner, you want to make sure you maximise the space. If you're an uh, engineer or your contractor, you want to make sure there's safety. You want to keep the cost low. You want to make the uh, uh, speed to, to market. You really want to uh, build a building quickly, and then you want to have the uh, uh, high safety, less risk. All of these you can get if you have the right things for. Um, uh, like, like, if you use digital twin and BIM, and you make the building truly sustainable, and you and 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 you do that. So, for 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 um, the longest, that was the longest. So the the answer to the question is, I will create a business model. I Typically, typically place like a three-year model or even ten-year model for the for the um, uh, for the order to show them how much they're spending right now, and how much they can save, and how much they can new revenue uh, places. I just had a talk about uh, about. Uh, a month or two months ago to a, a, uh, a series of CIOs and uh, owners in building. And I said, stop being a cost center. Think about being a revenue center, a profit center, where you can go to the CFO and say, I know the cost to run this business, this, this building, and I can give you more things as a service that you can sell to your customers and your uh, 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 also your, uh, the, your tenants. So you can do chargebacks. Or oh, you can even do revenue. You can find new, new sources of revenue.
0: See, I think that's a really smart way of thinking about it. Um, we're going to take a little break and hear from our sponsors, but we will be back in just a moment. Welcome back. We are here with Adeni Gunsho. I'm still I'm still working on it, but I'm I'm getting better. Uh, from Microsoft, uh, talking about some strategies that companies can leverage to to really Im- improve the output of their building. Um, so what what are what are some of the things that you're seeing that are really exciting in terms of the world of technology?
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, I, I'll start with the BIM, right? Because I didn't m- mention there's BIM, there's intelligent cloud, there's AI and ML. Let's so let's talk with the BIM, right? Um, so we know BIM is about technology and and there's authoring, right? Um, not the, the I'm sure you know the audience knows that. So, um, you have uh, software solutions from like your what anywhere from um. Beam objects, or you have—I'll uh, even use the ArcGIS. There's some of, of that, but basically, you have Revit. You know, the, you know, uh, you have um, uh, d- different ones like that. Um, you do have authoring of those. Then we have what we call the the, uh, the BIM authoring warehouse, right? We have a, a series of objects that you can go and download to maybe your Revit or um, you know maybe some IFC models. Um, so they have they allow you to do to do that, and and there's virtual mockups you can do. Um, We're seeing generative designs whereby you, the algorithms, AI algorithms that are used to to design. So basically, you feed it with so maybe zoning or uh, some of the briefs, or some of the 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 what the customer wants, and that breaks it down and generates alternative designs. And and those alternative designs can be fed in. You have GIS, I mentioned that, like geographical and and mapping or land land versions of of, of BIM, if you will. So those are the ones that are probably we see. But the newer ones that we've seen a lot of is uh, um, emerging technology, if you will, is laser scanning, where they can get accurate as built information like level uh, uh, 100, 200, 300. You can take what is out there in the field, you can do scans. Uh, Some of them, um, you have Likker or even you can use them, uh, the latest uh, iPhones uh, or, or even Android phones to, to scan those, and then that maps into maybe a Revit or IFC models. You have drones, you, you, you UAV drones that can capture construction construction process uh, progress, especially where you know people can't can get get to. Uh, you have virtual reality, you know, uh, which puts you in a simulated world. Uh, you do have augmented reality, which supplements the real world. And then you have the mixed reality. In this case, you have something like a HoloLens that we have, whereby the real and virtual was a kind of merge. And it's kind of like the precursor to metaverse, if you will, right? You have 3D uh, 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 printing that's been, it's been done out there. Uh, you have robotics, uh, spot the dog and, and things like that. You have prefabrication that's going on. Uh, and then you have quantum computing, right? Whereby it's like you know you have ones and zeros or coined to, together, and then you can process tons and tons of uh, information. So so that's 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 a whole lot of uh, big big, uh, uh, big big trends. But in, in the interface of that, uh, you you add the cloud, which basically gives you that what we'd say flexible way to where you can um, spin up or, or spin down network compute and storage, and the the basis for a whole lot of of that. And then you have the cognitive services and AI whereby you can use uh, models to actually predict or inform or um, make, uh, you know, uh, th- uh, um, uh, what, I, what I would say uh, predictive, uh, prescriptive, and then uh, models uh, which can inform actions.
0: So, you know, there is there an example uh, that you've seen or that you've worked on that you're allowed to share, or talk about, um, where you know they were really able to kind of optimize for the built environment during the construction phase? Because I think that's where we really need to get to. Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. So we, we, I, actually there's a number of case studies that we have. I'll I, I mention some of the one with beer Partners and Johnson Controls and, and, and Microsoft, which created one of the most innovative business and smartest uh, uh, workplaces a couple of years ago. Um, there is another one where in, with Intel, the PTK One Development, which basically at that time was the smartest building in the world, right? It had like 100 terabytes of data uh, using a- the AI um, to make decisions. Uh, and all these are examples of intelligent buildings, right? There's a smart building with JTC, that, you know, Singapore. Uh, there's our Microsoft, uh, you know, modernization where we're modernizing 17 buildings, uh, pretty much 2.5 billion uh, square foot of space where we, we say we'll probably be saving about 25%. More productivity is probably increased the really will maybe close to about 100%. Um, and then we have Chorus Life in Bergamo. Uh, we did that with Simmons and, uh, and, and that's, uh, that, that, that's in Italy. Um, and then we have OVG, the OVG Deloitte building, uh, which is uh, which are actually OVG is actually a company that's actually big, they're owners, but they really use digital technology. Like they use the Azure digital twin, they use BIM, um, they use it for most of their building and they're making a lot of their buildings smart. Um, and they're they're getting more um, uh, rent per square feet because a lot of their buildings are smart. So those are just some of the examples. Um, in terms of uh, maybe other things that you can see out there, um, uh, which uh, which I probably would talk about is you you um, is uh, you do have uh, actually the, what I was going to talk about. Maybe I'll leave it to the end. Uh, is intelligent infrastructure. Right, because you are going to bring beyond uh, the building and the city and then infrastructure, what is coming, and how can you prepare for that? Because nothing is, is the same. So you have to give, go where the park, we not where the park is, but where the park is going to go. And we think that's another play, uh, place that you would, uh, people have to, people and, and, and companies and AECU um, have to pay attention to. But yeah, there's some of the examples.
0: That's great. Yeah. And I think those are, are really fantastic insights to share. You, know, you talked a little bit about digital twin and, you know, laser scanning and, and LIDAR scanning. Um, do you also see that as sort of being a thing that, you know, in the in the very near future that is is essentially just going to be part of the normal workflow in in construction?
1: Yeah, it is now. It is now. Um, I'm sorry. I, I think I might have gone through that very fast. So laser scanning, they're doing that right now. You get accurate as built information um, from level 200 to level 400. So there's Leica. But Leica is really expensive. So what we're seeing also is we're seeing some innovative companies that are using iPhones and they're using um, Android phones to actually do um, elements of uh, of, uh, of of scanning, right? So they're using photo. Uh, um, they're using like uh, getting information photogrammetry and yeah they're using a lot of that and 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 actually feeding it into uh, the BIM models that's happening right now um, and they're using some AI to actually make it you know smarter and uh, because there's only so much if you do it from like sometimes you do, there's a lot of noise sometimes but some of these companies are they're using AI to actually make it uh, make it um, actually to reduce the noise. Um, the UAV or the drones they, that's used a lot now in uh, uh, a, a lot of construction and it's just going to be a part of it right the, the, the cost has fallen so much right now and and for a lot of places where um, the, uh, companies workers cannot go the drones can go this like it could be for maybe pipelines or maybe uh, construction areas that are really uh, maybe unsafe you have the drones that they can do that and they have high fidelity 4k cameras on them right? Uh, so you're, you're seeing a lot of that happening right now. And I, I did mention the the virtual reality too. Virtual reality will help you in terms of <coughs> looking at the design, the different alternative designs, or if you want to, if the owner wants to walk through the building, or the tenant wants to walk through the building, um, or they can see different, um, uh, different um, alternatives, right? So that's happening. And then the mixed reality, of course, uh, you know, um, uh, you have that also right, in terms of using like a HoloLens, and then you got the robotics and the 3D printing. But yes, to your question, to, to answer your question, we're seeing a lot of that and more.
0: Good, good. I, you know, so I do, I do, it, it, like it makes perfect sense when you, when you just sort of talk about it anecdotally that, you know, why wouldn't you essentially create your as-built while you're building the building, while the walls are open, while you have access? Um, but it's not a common practice. So I'm hard to hear that on, on the projects you're working on that you know your your clients and customers are are, are thinking about it in, in those terms.
1: Yeah. I wanted to mention, oh, mention, mention one more other thing too, to if you to make it better. It also depends on the owner because we, you know, we are owners, we're we're what we call informed owners, right? So we actually ask that of the folks who are working with us, the AECO or AEC, if you will. So that's one thing. If you're an owner, ask for it. Um, the cost is going down, and you can you could be dead. the cost is going down, um, safety is going up, and uh, speed. Is yeah, amazing.
0: yeah, and I think that's right. I think I think it is going to going to come down to the owners and the GCs also sort of insisting that everybody is working with the same systems and they're working with the same BIM data. Uh, and you know it is a challenge because everyone's working with different systems now. So so having these sort of end-to-end um systems that and platforms that uh you know everyone, all the stakeholders are able to plug into is going to be a key component of this.
1: Yeah. If you put it in your BIM execution model and you also put it in the general conditions as some things, you can get that, get the AEC to actually do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. We I mean, that's where we need to get to. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask of everyone and it's really more, more on a, on a personal level. So if you could project yourself 20, 25 years into the future and you could, you know, bring with you any service or product, just something that would make you personally happy or just make your life better in some way, what would it be and what would it do?
1: I don't even know. (laughs) That's a, that's a tough one, but, but you know what? I think I would like to be an intelligent developer.
0: Cool. I think you kind of are, though, already,
1: no? Yeah, but there's so many companies. So here's what I would say. So, for example, I'm always thinking about what would it mean if I could just go to a place where there's 10 acres, right? And maybe uh, there's a need, uh, for, you know, people are people are not people are, are not permanent, they're transient, and you want not pick that place, sometimes maybe a house, you, residence, but sometimes entertainment and whatever, so there's flexible needs, and I can come yeah. and I can just go there and say hey, you know, there's going to be about a hundred people over here and I want them to be able to walk play um, and um, Maybe leave here. Oh, all right. And I say I say it, and then things just come and they start. You know, the decide the robots come in. They put the things down. People are helping them in, and it just comes up, springs up. The, the components of what I'm saying exist in different ways, but no one has tied it together. But because yeah. what there's something called GPT three right now. I don't know if you you guys might have heard about that. Is it's called a generative. Um, uh, uh, GPT-3, it basically is a technology in AI that has allowed computers to be at the same level as, as humans to understand speech and to wow. process. And so you, you take that, that, right, take that on speech to text and use that to connect to what actually designs and builds and does it.
0: Yeah, be- I love that. I, I love the, the, the idea of just going from voice to reality right? And I don't want to know how we get there. I don't need to busy myself with that. Like the AI and the robots are going to figure all that out. All right. Right. All right. I like that. I I feel like you're going to get your wish. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jenny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. All the best.